This is Stephen Schramm of Audio Chimera, a subversive podcast taking refuge in the sanctuary of allegory about the fragility of memory. This is episode number 39, Belonging and Not. And I belongs, see? Every spring, I have my students read the Eugene O'Neill play, The Hairy Ape. Well, I assign it. I don't know how many of them actually read it. I made it a part of the class because it's a very good example of expressionism in the theater, and I also use it to talk about how sound can be used to create an environment. In scene one, in the Stokehole, what sounds would we hear? I had that idea after listening to a radio version of the play. As a side note, I also saw a production in San Francisco years ago where all the actors acted like animals. Yank moved like an ape, Mildred and her aunt twitched like birds, and so on. It was very theatrical. Anyway, the major theme of the play is belonging. Yank feels like he belongs in the ship. He's a vital part of what makes it move. Who makes this old tub run? Ain't it us guys? Well, then we belong, don't we? Two scenes later, when Mildred sees him and is about to faint, she says, whimperingly, Take me away! Oh, the filthy beast! She faints. And suddenly Yank, I'm quoting here from the stage directions, feels himself insulted in some unknown fashion in the very heart of his pride. He no longer belongs. All of this is a lengthy prologue to talking about joining things, and how I'm not really a joiner, and occasionally I found myself in a stranger in some very, very strange lands. I don't know how I first heard of Mensa, but the idea of being a member of an organization whose members, according to the website, have an IQ, quote, in the top 2% of the population, end quote, well, I was intrigued. I bought a paperback book of IQ tests and I took them, but with variable results. Then I found out that I could submit the results of my GRE scores. The graduate record exam is used like the SETs for grad school admission. So I filled out the application and sent in my GRE scores, and I was admitted to Mensa. I recall thinking that that was pretty cool. Even though Mensa had been the object of some fun poking in one episode of The Barney Miller Show. I actually joined when I was living in Columbus, Ohio, but I never had the chance to go to one of their gatherings, which, as I recall, were advertised as lively exchanges where everyone is constantly talking. According to the website at mensa.org, quote, members tend to be curious and have widely varying, I don't actually know what, there's a word missing on the website. They are quick to grasp concepts. They are often humorous, talkative, quirky, but the only characteristic they share across the board is a high IQ, end quote. After grad school and back in York, I found that there was a local group meeting one evening and I decided to go. I wanted to participate in this dynamic give-and-take atmosphere. I arrived at the house in the Fireside Terrace section of town, parked, and knocked. But what I encountered, based on the description above, was more quirky 
than anything else. As people arrived, we were ushered into a living room that had chairs set up all around the perimeter. A few people were already sitting there quietly, and so I found an empty chair, sat down, and glanced around. Here my memory fails me a bit. I can't really recall most of the people there, except for two major standouts. The first was a slightly attractive and very quiet woman. She didn't seem like she was going to leap into any conversation, and I assumed that she was even more introverted than I was. I guess I said hello, greeting her in some fashion. After a few pleasantries, she decided to open up, telling me something about becoming more of a confident person since her mother died, and then went off into a long story with many details of becoming her own person since that event. I often refer to such conversations as not going off on tangents, but rather on eight-day cruises. I recall none of the details of her story, but I may remember less about her since I think my eyes and ears began to glaze over at some point. But her story ended when the other standout began to try to lead us into a conversation. She was a much older woman wearing a t-shirt and a ball cap. She was clearly determined to get us all talking. Her icebreaker question was, What sports team do you follow, and how did you get interested in them? Okay, speaking of joining and me not being a joiner, as a kid I went to the local baseball stadium and watched the AA team I remember being named the York Pirates play. But beyond that, I never cared to sit and watch sports. And other than high school football and basketball, I never identified with any sports team. I'm always baffled when people claim, We won! I didn't see you on the field, or the court, or whatever. So for me, that was a poor icebreaker. I mentioned that I wasn't into sports, and they moved quickly past me. So much for intellectual conversation. And maybe this is snobby of me, but I really don't understand how artists can be really into a sports team. I think those inflated salaries should instead be channeled into arts education. But hey, maybe that's just me. Anyway, that evening ended with some lawn conversation regarding our next meetup, which I don't think ever happened. At least I never heard about one. I let my membership lapse. And so, so much for Mensa. The other event I found myself at, wondering about its members and membership, followed the performances of a production of the play Lovers and Other Strangers by Renee Taylor and Joseph Bologna. The production itself features a few good stories, but that's for another time. The show is four scenes, two dealing with relationships before marriage and two after. One of the actors in the latter was a professor at the college who suggested the cast and directors, myself and my faculty advisor Beth Riley, attend a gathering of singles that happened every Sunday night. And so we did. The evening's events were always as follows. Arrive and get a name tag, and then sit on the bench of a picnic table in the dining hall of what I think was called the York Country Day School. Men were on one side of the room, women on the other, like a middle school dance, or so I've heard. I never actually attended one. Then everyone would grab a folding chair and go in groups somewhere outside on the grounds of the school and discuss some burning issue of the day. When the discussion finished, the dance portion of the evening would begin. Our discussion group consisted of the professor, Beth and I as directors, and a couple of our actors. The rest of the group were people who had seen the production. 
Notable in my group were a very shy young man with a small mustache. He never said a word. A young woman who wore sandals and had blue feet. I do not know why her feet were blue. An older man with his disco shirt open to the waist and several medallions nestled in his lush chest hair. He also had a porn mustache and spent his time twirling his two pinky rings when not jingling his ID bracelet. And finally, an older woman who wanted to talk of nothing but her divorce. Disco Man did too, totally relating to the couples in the play with the problems that were like what led to his divorce, which led the older woman to talk more about her divorce. I could see where this was going, like a runaway truck without a ramp. So I decided to interrupt and ask a question. It occurs to me now that this may have been a foundational moment for me later becoming a college professor. I said, directing my question to those two, it seems you found the married scenes very relatable. Did anyone find it easier to relate to the single scenes? Bluefeed vaguely nodded, and the young silent man slowly raised a tentative index finger. With a grand aha gesture, I announced, well, there you go. I don't know what I had just proven, except that the divorcees could stop talking, if only for a second. But only one second. Disco Man said, yeah, I couldn't relate to them at all, but the other scenes I could. And he began harping about some other capital offense his ex-wife had committed to end their marriage. Eventually, we heard someone ringing a bell that signaled the end of the discussion time. We were invited to stay for the dancing, but gosh, you know, it was just after the production, we closed the show yesterday, and we were all pretty tired. So we took our chairs back to the meeting room and lit out of there as fast as our pink feet and cars could carry us. And to this day, I still have no idea why the woman's feet were blue. Anything you want to hear more about from this podcast? I can elaborate. Just send your request to stephenschramm at musifier.com. That's S-T-E-P-H-E-N-S-C-H-R-U-M at musifier, M-U-S-O-F-Y-R.com. Or leave a message at 724-835-4074, and I'll see what I can do. I receive no cash for products I mentioned, but please feel free to throw money at me to advertise here. For more information on my works, check out my website, musifier.com. For written works, search for me on Smashwords as Stephen Schramm or Musifier, or find me on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. This is Stephen Schramm. Thanks for listening to Audio Chimera. <laughs>